Warning. Explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. Friends, welcome back to the podcast. In this episode, we talk to Trevor Stone. Trevor's a lifelong martial artist, a hiker, a poet, a guy I look up to, even though he's shorter than me. Uh, he's been on the podcast a few times before, so make sure you check out those episodes. He's a new BJJ black belt, and we sit down in the sauna and get his take on the world and his experience um, in martial arts and jiu-jitsu. You want to meet Trevor? You should. Come visit him at Port City BJJ, home of the Great Northeast BJJ podcast, Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Come check us out, portcitybjj.com. Love to have visitors. Um, you know you want to come try to strangle me. I don't blame you. So come do it. Come to Portsmouth. Check us out. You know what else Trevor Stone does? He uses Tortuga soap, and he smells damn good. So be like the modern-day samurai Trevor Stone. Go to TortugaSoap.com. Enter the discount code PODCAST. Get 20% off your order. Um, also, this episode is brought to you by BJJ Prehab. You want to feel better physically and stay off the injured reserve, which will probably help you feel better mentally. Check out BJJPrehab.com. You'll be glad you did. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I appreciate it. Grateful for your support. Um, Hope everybody's doing all right out there. Peace. You got me on Thursday. It's like I got home and I'm like, yeah, didn't, I didn't notice at the time, but I'm like, oh yeah, that stretched a little bit. Which from uh, what position were you? In? We were in. You started a triangle, but I had my hand inside, so it was like yeah, arm yeah, here, yeah, yeah, and my yeah, hand yeah. was like this, and I was defending, and and then I think you almost tipped me with a triangle and arm barred over the top, but it like. I think I tried to get to my knees or like, something, but it was like, like almost sideways. Yeah, dude. Yeah, Those are so much worse. Oh, I was, I was like falling dude, into that's it. that's right there from that technique we were doing today. And that was like, That woo. loop choke, dude. Brutal. Loop choke's good. Like you just, when you're like laying with your head almost on them, their arm is just like laying across your chest. So I was just like gripping the uh-huh. inside of my thigh and bridging. And you have the arm as well as that. Oh, yeah, you can do, yeah, you can yeah. do the arm bar. Yep. Yep. Trevor Stone. Have you written any poetry lately? It's been a while. Yeah? It's been a while, yeah, a few months. Really? Since uh, right before the trail, probably. Yeah. Um, What what have you been done? What's happened interesting lately, Trevor Stone? Training, working. Did you get a new belt? I got the black belt, finally. This is the official after many years. This is total. the official black belt Trevor Stone edition of the Great Northeast BJJ podcast. Much um, deserved. Much deserved. Much deserved. Thank you. I mean, we've gone. Oh, Trevor and I. So also joined by my friend Greg, the fucking vandalizer. Ooh, that's uh, vandalizer of Max Narms. I like that. <laughs> um, so Trevor has been on the podcast. We did the first time. I think we did the first truck yeah, podcast. Oh yeah, truck. That's right. We drove to Mass yeah. BJJ and we recorded one in the truck. Um, 
we were going to a seminar or something. Yeah, training the mics, I think. Right, the Pellegrinos. Yeah. Um, so, for, like, let me just ask you this, man. What uh, what has changed? You've been a black belt now for how long? A month, maybe? A month. Three weeks? I don't know. Not very long. Yeah. So, tell me about tell me about getting a black belt. Um, I don't know. It feels, in some ways, very much the same. Training is the same. I'm just trying to work on goals and, you know, be there for the students because I teach a lot, as you know. And that's been a big focus of mine. Um... I feel like the target's always a little bigger. You know, you get that rank and people are coming after you a little bit. Do you feel more responsibility? Yes. Every time you get a new belt, there's responsibility. That's why you were kind of awarded the belt, because they know that you can handle the responsibility ahead. Is that... There's something I was thinking about, because we kind of had this conversation the other day. Do you need to change what you were doing, though? Because, like, you got the black belt for a reason. And just because you got a new belt, I don't necessarily always think you need to change anything about yourself or what you bring to the academy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, dude, you were a black belt before you were wearing a black belt. You know what I mean? That's how belts should work. Yes. So, like, in my eyes, like, like, you're a black belt human being and just, like, continue to be that. And if you weren't that, you probably wouldn't have gotten awarded the black belt. If that takes, that's meant to take some pressure off you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I don't know if that made any sense. No, it made a lot of sense. I've been thinking about that since you said it to me in this very sauna. Yeah, yeah sauna like a brings a lot of, It brings some yeah, depth. That's the juices. The, the, so the, I don't, I personally don't see the, when I get the belt, I don't see the stepping it up as like I need to. I just feel like now that I'm the next thing, I want to instill yeah. more. Because sure. I can, all, I we can it. always be more. But I don't look at it as a, a, a pressure. I don't take it as a pressure of like I have to. I have to represent. I mean, I always want to represent well. But I feel like, like you said, if you're not doing that already at our academy, especially, you're not going to get the belt. If you're not the next level, whatever that is for you, because you at black belt is different than I was. George is. Everybody's a little different. It's there's some guidelines, but you know, no, it's a, a it's a huge personal journey and development you know just like i always i feel like who you're beating and not beating is a very minimal part of the jujitsu above purple belt it's kind of i think the personal well, development sure is not a to sound corny it. or interrupt you but like you just beat you you know yeah, what i mean that's got to be it oh, because yeah. like like you said like what is beating somebody like in a competition sure okay like it's pretty cut and dry but here like what is winning you in, know, a, right? in a in a practice round yeah. you know? at right. City, dude. what like, is winning? our club what's winning right like both people not getting injured right yeah both dude. people learning right. i would say and they're they're not not going back i guess yeah for sure right absolutely so you could be in a, in in the in the academy setting i think winning and getting and tapping somebody are definitely not the same thing like right it's not the same thing because you might the person that got tapped might have learned all kinds of shit in that round, and you might not. You might have just done your A game, and yeah, maybe you tapped them, but that other person learned a lot. And I would sure. say, you know, now in competition, it's sort of different. And right? com- there's a place for it. Like, right. I believe in competition training. It's obviously right. my yeah. personal belief that competition training is the best self-defense jujitsu that right. you yeah. can practice. And there's a lot of benefit to that. And under that, and in that context. Sure. Like if you're with someone of equal size ish, 
of relatively equal level and you both are you're rolling under the pretenses that we're this is a competition role yeah if you tap him like you won that was right. well, you won that round. yeah and there is a winner and a loser right and, and that's just life but you know? even in that context like maybe that dude won too but oh, yeah like in a slightly different way for because sure because there's no ref even in a competition role here like that dude might not do what he just did two weeks from now when there is a ref and you learn a lot from i mean if you want to you can learn a lot from your failures you know definitely and i've like you know i i got black belt and then i went and competed at the boston open like a month later or something and i did not win but i learned a ton for sure and i tried to win but uh but man i did learn a lot and it's just like swedish fred you know Swedish Fred's doing the squid guard, the worm guard, like, and I haven't seen him in a while, but I've been working, and he's been sweeping me with it, and then, like, he's but working, I've been, yeah. I've been working on that while he's gone, yeah. and so today, I was like, go ahead, pull your worm guard, and, uh, and, you know, and my, so my pass nullified his little thing, and now, then after, he's like, and then, you know, we were working on, actually, how he could beat my pass, because that's how you get better, progress, yeah. you know, progress. right, so you can't hold the knowledge back. Right. Teach them everything you know, and then you get better defending what you know. So Trevor Stone, the multifaceted Trevor Stone, Greg. I'm interested. Is, yeah, dude, this guy. He's. When did you start? Like, we might have talked about this before, but when did the? I'm super interested in the in the writing thing, man. I, I love was, it. I was 12 years old when I started writing poetry. Right. So it's been almost 26 now. All kinds of poetry. Uh, somewhat. I mostly do abstract nature, and then. Some like rhyming, spoken word kind of style. Because it's my three major. There's, but I've done other things. So like, I mean, I know there's like um, set things with certain like haiku is like yep. five like seven five or something, right. right? And like a limerick would be there must be some kind of thing to right. a limerick. But it, there's also like, I mean, are there lots of like a sonnet is a sonnet poetry? Yes, kind of. I mean, uh, it's like, it's that's written in, like, a time. Right. You know, like, Shakespeare's, like, wrote an iambic pentameter, which is, like, the beat uh, of the writing when you read it. So some poetry, I do a lot of poetry that's kind of written on a beat. Yeah. Type, if you were to read it. But I also, that's why I don't like to always, I don't do a lot of readings, because I like when people read my stuff, and then what they draw out of it, their own, from their own personal. And people will say, well, what did you mean? And sometimes I do have a theme, but a lot of times I'm just kind of writing. And then people can draw what they want from it, which I think is the coolest thing. Because it can mean something totally different to you than it meant to me, or whatever, and make you think about different different things. And Do you write all the time, or do you just write yeah, once in a while? I write when it comes to me. Yeah. I don't ever try and force it. Like, I will take, if I haven't written in a while, I will sit down with a notebook and quiet and just kind of do things. Um, but, like, I, I don't always just write constantly. I like to, I wait for the, it comes to me and I write. I don't like to make it a chore. If it's a chore, I don't like it anymore, and I don't want to do it. So it sounds like you do it for fun. I do. Uh, for me, it was originally like a therapy tool when I was younger. I would like write about stuff when you're going through stuff. You just kind of shit comes out. You just write it. And I'd read it over and be like, okay, well, why am I writing this? What does this have to do with? It kind of analyzed my mind. What is, what is going on in my life? How can I help? How can I find growth from whatever I've written? Um, that kind of thing. And not all my poetry, but it's definitely things that are going on where like, you know, you're going through bad things in your life, usually a lot of dark things, usually, you know, to get out those feelings, I'd use the poetry and then I'd kind of evaluate myself with it. Um, Can I ask, like, 
what does it provide you? Is it like a meditative clarity of thought or is it just like exercising kind of that left brain? I think, I think it's just like a pure creative outlet, really. That's right. what I use it for. Yeah, okay. just like, I just like kind of, I let my creativity flow. Um, I feel like that's a big part why a lot of people uh, in their older years have, have trouble. Like if you think about like when we were children, what did you want to do? Like before 10 years old, before social pressure like really kind of came into the mix, you just wanted to play make-believe. Right. Every little kid wants to just make up their games, play make-believe. Like you might mirror it off of something you like, but you're, you're just like essentially creating a framework to, to live with it. And so a lot of our adult life, we get into the habit of like, oh, you need to make money, you need to do this, you have social pressure. So most people don't, they lose their creative outlet by the time they're, you know, in their mid-20s, maybe 30 years old, it's gone. And I'm not saying everybody has to be an artist to create this crazy work of art, but I feel having some kind of creative outlet is extremely important for our health because... If you just had no responsibility, we would still be playing make-believe, even as adults. We really would. It's like, what else? If you didn't have to go to work and, like, pay bills and and pay the mortgage and have a car that worked, like, we would be doing, our lives would be a lot different if we didn't live in an economically focused life. We fucking pajama wrestle. I mean, right. In a way, we do. Like, we kind of, like, we want to be ninjas, so we go to the gym and, like. We dress up and beat each other up in like a playing fun manner. Yeah, like, basically LARPing. It's like LARPing and like Dragon Ball Z all mixed in. I mean, I play Dungeons. No, I, I, I play Dungeons that. and Dragons. I played since I was a little kid. I still play. Like we try and get together every couple of weeks because that's a huge creative outlet for us. Didn't you tell me one time you had like a game that you made up and there was a whole language or something? Oh yeah, is it's that a, yeah? It's insane. I made my own custom campaign over like. This is Dungeons uh, and Dragons. Twelve years, yeah. Like I have like multiple continents, language, calendar. Like it's it's extensive. We played that campaign for almost ten years straight. And so, you made up a language. Yeah, like right? I'm build, I'm not the whole thing, but I have a lot of elements of a language. Yeah, yeah. it's got like a four hundred day calendar for the world and like moonstruck. It's pretty in depth. Yeah, you know, as far as like fantasy settings go. But well, that's just part of the gameplay. You just build over time and. I remember one time uh, you we were I went to Chucky's dip. There's Chucky's fight, right? For anybody that doesn't know about Chucky's fight, our brother Chucky Rosa, who's a madman, who actually yeah. did a podcast with me uh, one time, and uh, you know he jumps in the ocean every day to like Damn. every day, all year round, storm, whatever, dude, snow, ice, yeah, hardcore. But he he his two sons died within two of his sons died within a year of each other of overdoses. And he put their ashes in the ocean and he goes in the ocean every day to, you know, make contact with them. And I think probably to, in some ways, you know, deal with his own struggles and demons. Right. Definitely. But so one time, one year, and he always has like an inspirational quote. One year, Trevor Stone was, he usually is there, but one time he didn't show up. He wrote me, wrote a poem and I got to read with Trevor Stone. Uh, it was good, man. I really like, I was, it was meaningful to me. Yeah. I like that know? piece. I remember yeah. I, wrote, I wrote that after we got out of the water that day or maybe the next day. Yeah. What do you do with your work? Uh, I have a Facebook page that I post it Plug to, it. but I have notebooks and stuff. Uh, Rambling Soul is my Facebook page. Like I said, I haven't put anything up in a while. I did put a song up a while back. One of my D&D characters is a bard, so he writes songs. So I'm practicing writing songs. And he's like a funny character. So 
Does having like a does having like different characters that you made up or whatever does that like free you to be more creative? Because you're like, well, it's not really me doing it. I'm right. Right. This like thing. I'm Is that being a thing? this. Yeah. Like I'm trying to be this character. Like like my gnome character, who's the bard. Like he's a gnome. Like he likes to get drunk. He likes to womanize. Like he wants to go write songs and slay monsters. Like he's prejudiced. He doesn't like orcs because like they killed his uncles or he hates them. He's got his own personality. He does his own thing, you know? Uh, I have a character that's like a pirate. Like, he wants to be a pirate king because he was a slave when he was growing up. And, like, he wants freedom. You know, you just kind of build a little personality and then you try and act like that person while you're playing the game. So fucking awesome, man. Well, I'm really disappointed that I have to go. (laughs) Great. I'm really interested to listen to the rest of this. Yeah, Greg Burke. You're going to get your own episode. Next episode is Greg Burke. From the Riddler's Barn. It's up, dude. All right, see you guys. Later. Um, so, we're sitting here in the sun recording the podcast. Me and Trevor Stone back again. Uh, what does what does the Black Belt, let's talk about this, because this has been a theme for the year, right? Yep. A lot of different podcasts has been like, what does the Black Belt mean? What does the Black Belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu mean to you? I think that... To me, it means you didn't quit, which is a huge element of overcoming a tremendous amount of struggles while sacrificing to to aim towards a goal that took you usually over a decade to complete. Because there's no quick road. Even the people that do it in six years, man, they they push themselves harder because they don't really train twice as much, you know? yeah, I mean, I think it's somebody that didn't quit and somebody that stuck with it to to learn the art of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, which isn't necessarily beating people up and choking them. Like, you can get good at the physical part of it, but, I don't know, the, the technical side of it, I think, is, is different. Like, that takes a lot of dedication, you know? Because most people are good at the physical part by the time they're purple belt. Like a solid purple belt. You can choke people. Like, yeah, you get better over time at doing those things. But I think a black belt is somebody that didn't, knows how to overcome adversity, tremendous adversity, not being able to know the moves, training up, getting tougher, never quitting while getting beat up all the time. Even at, we're black belts now. Do you beat everybody up every roll? No. No, not even close. Mm. Now you, it's even harder because when you're wearing the belt, you get there. it's hard, you try not to, but there's that ego there that says, I'm a black belt, I need to have this standard of whatever. So if you have a tough role against the blue belt, you know, you gotta learn to, to keep your self-worth and you're 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 gonna keep your eye on what's important, right. which isn't winning. So I think you just said an important thing, maybe, is that my self-worth, hopefully, is not based on whether I win or lose a round during training. Or right. even in a even competition. In a, even in right? a competition. It, it, that's, now, as long as you, in my opinion, I don't think you should just go compete and lose all the time. Right. But you need to go in and, and make weight and make a good showing. Right. And take it serious. Take it serious. Right. Not everybody's going to be a world champion, but you want to represent yourself the best you can. You try your hardest. And you put your full effort in. I agree with that. And I don't think your self-worth should ever be tied into who you're beating. Now, if, if you never get Greg and one night you get Greg and you choke him or whatever, like that's a victory for you. Right. You don't have more self-worth, but at least you know that's a technical victory because you've been maybe cha- – like me personally, I don't get Greg. So like if I can get a position on him or sweep or get a good attack going, like that's a small victory. 
you know, and that's not worrying about beating somebody. That's knowing that I'm technically getting more sound. Right. Because it's not going to work right on a good player like Greg unless you do it right. Right. And you got some, like, you got some information back to you that said, hey, that just worked. Yes, you know, exactly. Against a good opponent. Right. Right? Like, where you can, I mean, it's like a lot about information gathering, maybe, right? Yep. Like, where um, yes. you're, you're, you're putting out, you're doing all this stuff and you're gathering, oh, this doesn't work, this doesn't work, oh, this worked, this didn't work, you know, and maybe you're analyzing that information at different times. But right, like, I think if you do a competition and you don't try to win, it's a cop-out. I mean, yes. I, it's, this is a generalization. This doesn't apply to every, fucking, you know, instance. But you could you could have a cop-out from the start where, like, well, I'm just going to do this competition. And right, not train hard. Yeah, so if I lose, you know, it doesn't really I didn't say I really train anything. as hard as I could. Right. So. You don't get shit out of that, though. Right, right, no. You don't. I don't think. Nope. You gotta go. I think part of the thing, and, and Greg and we were talking about this in the sauna the other day with who knows who, but like part of the the greatness of competition, the best part is the preparation for the competition. Yes. Because if you prepare correctly, you're gonna get better oh, in, in the preparation. Definitely. So even if you go, you man, you put in three months or two months, whatever it is, your camp is, and you've you drill hard, you train hard, and you sharpen all this stuff in your mind and your body, and then you go to the competition and you fight some savage, you know, and he beats you two to nothing or whatever it is. You still got better in that, you yep. know, and you learned from your match. You're like, man, I tried my best in that match, and I didn't quit, and I fought to the end. You learned something that you can take away from that and build on. Definitely. But it that you it could you know there's times where it might not go that way, but that's he reminded me of something like because we we're talking about um, uh, and what he just said was like you don't have to change when you get a belt and I think that's truth to that you don't have to change but it's like preparing for a competition and what you said like you want to set the bar higher now and you right. want to go and be better a better human better technician better person who serves people better or whatever. Right. Exactly. I think a black belt is, is somebody who gives a lot of their time. Like, we have a different dynamic because we're not like a competition school. I think you get less of this in the bigger competition areas because they're so, you know, personally motivated that it's hard for competition guys to, like, work with their training partners as much because they're trying to prepare to kill people. Competition like, training is different than selfish. regular training. It's selfish in a way, and it's not wrong to be selfish when you're comp training because that's what you need to be. But, um, you know, I think a black belt in a smaller school like ours is kind of like got to be a leader, passing on knowledge, helping, you know, trying to, trying to be a, a good representative. Like today, we're doing the drills. No, I don't always drill when, when we got fundamentals or, or, you know, like on Thursdays because I'm going to be here all night. But when I do drill, like today, I wanted to drill as the best I can. I'm not going to kind of slack on it because I'm a black belt now and I can, you know. I feel like it's my job to represent what it's supposed to look like when I'm doing it, even though I can't butt scoot. <laughs> but I didn't quit on it either. Oh, man, you could learn a lot of lessons in the butt scoot. Oh, place. man, that's a, uh, that's a forge. You're right. Yep. But... It's also one of those things, right? Of, and, and so jujitsu to me at this point 
And I feel like your how you look at jujitsu and the cool thing about doing it for a long period of time, whatever the fucking thing is, poetry probably, you look at whatever your art, lifestyle, whatever it is, differently at different points in your life. Yes. And right now in my life, at 45 years old, I want to be good for sure. Like I don't want to be the guy that people are like, oh, he's like black belt, but he's not really that good. Right. I have an ego. I want to be good. But I think more importantly, I want to treat people well. I think that that not you know, I can. I'm now free. Maybe I should have been free earlier, but this is my journey, right? That I'm now free to like look at other people and say, you know what? It's more important for me to now help you and pass it on than for me to um, be the best in the room or whatever. You know? Right, right, right. I would rather be the best in the room. I mean, I still want to be good at jujitsu. Well, of course. Because that's a big part of it. You want to be good. I would like to be the best person in the room or at least a good person in the room. I want to be good for the reason that I need, if I'm going to be a teacher and an influencer, which is one of my big goals, always been my goal, because mm-hmm. I feel I'm a decent teacher and I'm, I love to help and help people grow. So passing on knowledge is, you know, a big way that's achieved. I want to be, I want to be good. So I'm credible. Right. Right. Because if you're you credible right, right. and they go, oh man, that guy's good. Not because I care that I can beat you up or not beat you up. I want, when I say things, because I feel like most of the time I know what's going on. I'm trying to teach good technique in a good sound manner. I want my students to respect me and and, and listen because I think what we're teaching here is good. We so know what we're talking about, not in an arrogant manner, right. but in a, in a manner that we've worked it, where we've workshopped it. It's legitimate. It's legit. We're small. Tested. We're small dudes. We know that if we can make these movements work on the guys we train with, they work. So, are you saying though? To sounds like you're saying. If if your techniques are good and you're and you're good at jujitsu, people will listen to you more, and you can give them the message about also being a good yes. person. Yes, because I think if you don't have, it's hard if you don't have the technique. I think there's some people out there that have the right idea of message, but it's they don't get as much credibility because the technique most people are really searching for. In the lower ranks, we were too when we were blue belts. What were we looking for? That good move that's going to solve that problem for us. We weren't looking at the big picture until brown belt. Very short. Purple belt, brown belt right. area. I feel like maybe, yeah, I mean, I never thought about this for a minute, but like what you say, maybe in the, as you go along, you become more bigger picture. In yeah. the beginning, you're just yeah. like, how do I defend this? And then, but then maybe you get smaller again too. But like in the beginning, it was like, shit, how, you know, how do I do this one thing? Like that everybody's right. getting me with this one thing. How do I, and then like, you know, you're like, how do I get good? How do I get good fast? And then after five years or whatever, you know, six, seven years, you're like, you see a bigger picture maybe of how the things are all connected. And now you see maybe after 10 years, I see that, man, really, it's like about like we there's there's an incident this morning. And it's interesting. It blew my mind. It didn't bother me. I'm not going to lie. It did bother me a little bit. So I get out of the car to come into train at 9.30 this morning, 9.15-ish to come in and teach the class. And there's like a lady walking by and I was with me and Jameson are talking. I'm like, hey, how's it going? To the lady, I was like, hey, how you doing? Just like being nice. And she goes, don't you fucking talk to me. Ooh. And I, I mean, that was the, and then like gives me like all this shit. And I was like, all right, have a good day. And it's like barking at me. 
and Jameson's like thought I knew her. And I don't know this lady. I've seen actually You've seen, seen her, her around. So, but I was like, I don't know, dude. Maybe she's got like mental illness. You know what I mean? So she not. could just be going through some bad shit. Right. But so I was like, you know what? I'm not gonna fuck with this lady. Nope. And I, you know, and then she came back and was like barking at me about like I think she might have me confused. But then again, I don't. I don't because man, I don't know this lady. She's like, but she sort of knows. Like she's like said something about um um. Ballistic Tai Chi, like an office space. And I think she's mad that we're in the building or maybe she thinks I own the building. I don't even know. But I'm like, lady, have a nice day. You know what I mean? Whatever pain you're feeling, I really don't want you to feel the pain. But then later I'm like sitting up there like thinking about it. And I'm like, man, fuck that lady. And I started getting pissed. But then I was like, all right, just like you just said, like, this lady's got some shit going on. It didn't She's have mad at something. It didn't have to do with you. I don't think it does nope. because I've never done anything to this no. lady. Like, I'm not hey, doing anything with this building. But, man, it's a strange um, instance of, like, you know, I wanted to explain to this lady, like, I don't know why you're mad at me, but I don't think you need to be mad at me. But I don't think that would have helped either. Probably not. You know? Because you got no personal connection with her, unfortunately. Super weird. People are messed um, up, man. They... You know, this day and age, face-to-face is so rare. Super weird. I mean, she was, like, aggressive. People are not good looking face-to-face. They they lash out a lot. People are much better hiding behind their... I mean, you see this in the younger generations more, but hiding behind their phones and their keyboards and their whatever. But when it comes to, like, interaction, eyeball-to-eyeball, they're not... They get uncomfortable. Yeah. People don't know how to react. And it, But also, like, I think, too... And I don't even know what the situation was. This lady's dealing with some information that I feel like is not accurate, probably. Probably, Because yeah. I don't, I'm not in a position of power at this point. Right. <laughs> Except, uh, you know, I mean, I'm like, I don't know, lady, why you're so mad. But, um, and I didn't even say that. I'm glad I didn't now because, like, you're right. She's probably got some shit she's dealing with that I don't understand. Right. You know? But, um Back in the day, the younger George would have flipped out and been like, fuck you, what the hell, you know, who the fuck do you think you are? Maybe, I don't know, maybe her kid died or something, you know? I don't know what the hell. And that wouldn't have made me feel, you know, so. Right. Who knows? It was a weird thing, though. Uh, but now Ballistic Tai Chi is a thing in my life. Yes. Yeah. day forward. So she, I owe the that. Voluntary Ballistic Brazilian to her. Tai Chi. Um, do you think that, do you think that, um, we should be dispensing of like life as a black belt, like because do you th- do you think that there's a responsibility for us to tell people how to live? No. You know what I mean? I don't think it's a responsibility, but I think that if it's if it's done in a positive way, like it's pretty basic. Treat people like it's it's just as basic as your interaction with that woman. When she comes up to you upset, don't yell back at her. Right. Don't treat darkness with darkness. Right. Use the light. You know, use the honey instead of the vinegar right. to get what you need. I don't think, you know, just because people are good at jujitsu doesn't mean they're good at life advice. 100%. You know, and not, every, skills, and not every right? jujitsu instructor wants to do that role. I mean, I will say my archetype, my bot, you know, my personality, I'm a mentor type. It's just... Capricorns are mentors. That's how we do it. It's kind of a a trait of my astrology or astronomy, whatever. Astrology. Astrology, yeah. yeah. So 
But I don't think everybody needs to do that. Is that part of coming from... Is, is traditional martial arts more... Is there is that kind is that because you come from traditional martial arts? Do you think? I think that's probably a good yeah. I would say because my traditional training was first and I did it for a long time. I have those um, those I don't know tendencies. I guess you could say. You know, and when you want to help with technique, sometimes it's easy to make parallels to translate. But I don't think everybody should just follow what I do in my life either, because the way right. I live my life is not for everybody. Well, like I said, if you keep it simple, I don't think worldly advice is bad. You know, right. golden rule, treat people good. Right. You will be treated good. You know, be positive. Don't be the, the negative person. Be, you know, be the one person cheering them on. Pretty simple. Simple, dude. Simple, simple but not easy. Not easy at all. I want to rage too. Right. Yeah, some things get me raged out for sure, but I try not to do it or act on that. So I know I need to train more when I'm raging. Right. Tell me about breathing. Breathing is the most neglected thing in martial arts because it looks funny and everybody thinks it's hokey. But those are the real secrets. If you want to ask about secrets, breathing techniques are the secrets. And that's why Hickson's so good. Not because of his technical, his technical knowledge is good, but he incorporates breathing into his training. And that's why he was one of the best ever with a high technical knowledge, a high willpower high skill knowledge and the breath. Because breathing, this is why I always think that like, so you and I are small, we're probably the smallest guys here besides mm -hmm. Amanda and Troy. Troy. And then Lapiana and, right. and the other guys are like a little bigger than us, but right. close. But we're small, 145, 150 pounds. You know? If you didn't have a strong core, you would be weak. But you have, that's why you can, we defend well and we can keep our body infused with strong energy because you have good breath, as well as the technical knowledge of where do I put my hands, where do I position my hips. Willpower is a huge part of it, not quitting. But essentially, if you look up exhaustion, exhaustion is when you can't make tension in your core anymore. So like when you get the wind knocked out, you can't tighten your diaphragm, so you're exhausted. You lose all your energy. You can't like bridge, you can't tighten, you can't breathe out, you can't draw breath. So essentially, the stronger your breath is, the longer you can stay in that power position, no matter where you are on the mat. Because that's all it is. When people say I'm strong, I'm like, well, it's because I use my whole body to do things. I'm efficient, even though I'm muscular, less muscles than a lot of people. Not that I'm stronger than guys, but I can still defend a grip almost as well, I think, in a lot of cases as a 180-pound guy who's got a good amount of weight on me because I'm using my core, my body, reinforcing my limbs with uh, those kind of principles. And I think that all comes from breathing. I don't do my breathing as much as I used to, but in my early days, I used to meditate and breathe all the time. And I'm trying to get back to that more and more because I'll go through periods where I won't do it, but then when I do it, I really notice a difference, reading that internal energy. Does it keep you from panicking, you think? Um, yes, because panicking is essentially when you get so exhausted that you like lose the ability to stay tight in your core, and then when you think you might become fully out of breath, you get panicked. You stop breathing. Yeah, you right? hold your breath. Yeah, in some ways, it's kind of vo almost voluntary. Yeah, like voluntary yeah. It's like, it's, stop like a, breathing. it's like a way out almost. It's like a panic mechanism. It's right. like a defense mechanism. But if you can always make that tension in your core by those tight breathing exercises, or just knowing how to keep your core engaged no matter what without burning yourself out, 
You know what I mean? Keeping that slack tightness to your core, but not squeezing all your muscles. That kind of thing. That like relaxed engagement of your muscles. I mean, that's all striking is to defend the body. You know, your, your core is always tight, but you're loose until you actually move. And then you're tight on impact. And then, but it's always like half tight. So if you get hit in the body, you're ready. That just comes with breathing training. Knowing when to like use that part of your body to shield up or whatever. Also super applicable in the rest of your life. Oh, yes. Breathing, when you get frustrated. Right. I always tell people when they're freaking out, just take 10 deep breaths. I know it's silly, but like no. if you take a deep breath and you just try and let go of whatever's inside of you, that dark stuff, every time you breathe out, you just a little more goes away. I bet. 10 two. breaths in. Even three, dude. I yes, think you would three, notice. you feel a huge difference. Right. But if you go through that, like, draw it in and release it out. And you also let learn to let go. Like the hardest part of getting a good massage, right. letting go. Tim Tammen, right. letting go of the muscle right. to let Relaxing it relax. It. Instead of smashing it into submission, which only works halfway. Right. It's hard. Because you don't really release it that way. Yeah. You just force it. And it kind of works, but it's not the same feeling of relief that you get when you totally physically let go of it. Would you say, too, like, in dealing, so this morning, right, take this lady or whatever. Mm -hmm. I was in a good space, so I feel like I dealt with it pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I deal talking with about it, I think but, it's important. Right, but like, I I feel like right now, the what I've always been is a reactor, and yep. like someone says something to me, I react instantly, and I'm like, ah! Right. But if you just stop for a second, and don't, and just take three seconds without even, but I think the breath comes with it automatically, right? Right, right. You react, or if, if it's not a reaction, it's so much better if you just like chill for a second, like, because when you do something right off the bat, it's almost like you're fighting. Yeah, it's a reaction, and reactions are not always the nicest thing. No, they're very retaliate. Like, we reach for the dark side pretty quick. Right. When it's almost like that's the go-to. Yeah. For like, me, anyway. Well, a lot of times, I mean, I think that's human nature. Because I've been doing a lot of research on, like, the sh you know, the shadow side. Carl Jung and, you know, looking at the shadow. And, like, recognizing your shadow and knowing everybody's got one. And you have to embrace it in a way to, like, recognize it, to know it's there. Because if you repress too much of that stuff, then you get in really bad places where, like, it comes out subconsciously. And you don't want to do that because that's never good when your dark side is just popping out, like, random. Because we all have it. I mean, we're all made of dark and light. Like, no human is pure in any direction. It's impossible. That's what we're trying to do, I think, is find that balance. A little character development, right? Are we, is that... Yeah, right? kind of. We're trying yeah. to develop... Like, I, I just... Full, a full character has negative and positive sure, elements. Sure, And I think that's important to recognize, like, has male and female and negative and positive. Some, in the Chinese philosophy, they would say they're the same things. Because yin and yang are male, female, negative, positive, chaos and order, whatever you want to say. But, like, you're made of it all, you know? So, it sounds like you're saying we got to look at ourselves, right? Is that what we're trying to do here? Yeah. To get better, to get better at whatever. We, gotta, we can't look at other people. And no. say they're fucked up because of this. Like, I got to look at myself. And I saw a thing and it resonated with me the other day. It was like, if you want to change, first you got to, like, become aware of your own bullshit. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Because we all got a little bullshit. Oh, yeah. Some of us got more oh, than others. Yeah. I got all kinds. And we struggle. We rotate. Right. You go, you'll do good with one part for a while. And then you regress. And you got to fight back to get it back. That's life. Oh, yeah. It's trying to find that balance. Balance. 
Because you can't be all good all the time or all bad. It's impossible. It doesn't work. Balance, like, fucking balance. Balance. Right? With everything. Right? Right. Like, right. Maybe that, I'm sorry. Not too much training. Right? Not too much other stuff, destructive behavior. You know, not too much only positive behavior. Positive behavior is good, but you can't just go positive, positive, positive all the time. Because then it kind of loses its value and it distorts. You couldn't go to a mental health counselor and stay with them 24 hours a day. No. You got to go, like, gotta, see them, live your life, right? Yeah, you gotta, and then go back with your all the fucked up shit you, you did. You got to build yourself up to be not need them. Right. Just like a good parent builds right. a child up to not need them. Like, just like jujitsu maybe too, right? Yeah. It's a, a good, tool. A good jujitsu player doesn't need you to coach them okay. when they get higher up because they're going to figure it out or they're going to want to figure it out even if it's... Like, I try and do, I'll have questions, and I'm a black belt, it's like, I try not to ask them. I mean, once I hit about high purple, close to brown, I stopped trying to ask questions, and I would just try and do it on my own first in class. And then if I really couldn't figure it out, I would call somebody over and say, hey, I'm trying to do this, this is what I've tried, it's not working, how do I, what am I doing wrong? What are you seeing? Or have my partner give me feedback until I figure it out. But I, you know, searching for the answer yourself is going to make you more complete because you're going to really understand it. You know? If you just, like, do the move. Okay, you robot. Right. Do the move. You're not going to understand why you do the scissor sweep. You're just going to know how to do a good scissor sweep. But you're not going to know where it fits. Is there a part where you're taking the techniques and making them your own and, and then hopefully adapting them? I'm trying to, yeah. I'm, now that I've hit black, I'm, I mean, I was doing this a little up around, but... I'm trying to really see, like, I'm trying to really develop more of my game. Why do I do techniques the way I do them? Some of it's a case of how I learned it. Some of it's a case of the adjustments I've made based on my body type and size or the positions I use them from. But, yeah, trying to really figure out what makes it mine so I can pass on my tricks. Because I think that's a lot of the technical gold. There's, a like you said, loop jokes. How many loop jokes are there out there? A thousand? There's so many. Infinite. You know what? Some of those people are going to love, some people are going to hate them. But there's gonna, if you teach them 10 types, they're going to find one they like that's theirs. And then they're going to adapt it to make it really be theirs. So and that's power, to so know the move fully. Inside and out. Inside and out. And, and right, maybe, do you think that as a, as a coach, instructor, you know, that you need to, if you're going to be that, you can't just know your game. You have to know the whole game and present the whole game so that people can make their their own game yes. out of the whole yes. instead of just what you're doing right. because then it limits them. Right. Yes, they need to be. That's one thing I think we have a good, we have, you know, five of us, right. six of us to teach. Yeah, a lot of great instructors. Way different games, mm -hmm. similar but different. People get a wide range of things that everybody does well. And we do, we all are good about also teaching stuff we don't do. I teach moves a lot where I'm like, okay, this is a move I don't do much, but I know how to do it. I know how to teach it. I know how you're supposed to get in the finish and everything. And I'll say, seek out so-and-so for the better details. But they need to see the game, like you said, because they're going to know if it works for them. And if I only teach my half guard game or whatever, that's going to limit people in the long run. Their growth. Yeah, it's going to limit their growth because they may not see that technique that should be theirs until they're like a brown belt because I didn't show them or Jay didn't show them or you didn't show them. That's why we got to, I like, you know, we keep the variety yeah. and we branch out. I always try and add new things, you know, once every couple of weeks, I'm trying to teach something I don't teach all the time. What do you think about beginner's mind? 
You ever think about that? Well, it's been, that's a hard one because it's been so long. Because even when I started jujitsu, I trained for nine years. Right. So I knew how to be a good student and how to train properly. Although jujitsu is different. Um, yeah, beginner's mind is. Uh, I always say it, and it's like just work those escapes. You and I have built a whole career on yeah. being a mate really hard to submit because you create opportunities through frustration and through just plain grit and scrambling. Um, people can say, well, you know, oh, you should be more of a preventative maintenance, not get in there kind of guy. But when you're smaller, I think that's nearly impossible. To be Look honest. at Gary Tonin or Jeff Glover. Yeah. Like, you know. Yeah, exactly. They can uh, just adapt and overcome. I mean, I don't disagree that, you know, it's not good to be in these positions where you've got to escape all the time. Right. But that's kind of what we're doing in jujitsu, though, right? Is learning how to deal with, with bad situations. Yep. Right. If we're like learning how to deal with like what happens in the worst case scenario. Right. That's kind of what the guard in my understanding came from. Maybe was like, you know, we don't want you to be in the guard at first. But like right. if you're in the guard, you should learn how to sweep and submit because it's, it's a position that fucking you don't want to be in. Right. So sweep and go to the top. Learn how to control right? and not get punched in and, the face. And maybe Howder talks about the seductive nature of the guard has yep. led us into this crazy guard development, which is awesome too. Right. But I think, man, like jujitsu maybe really, like especially for little people and women, it's not the magic bullet. Nope. But it gives you a chance at survival that you wouldn't have had otherwise. Definitely. A good chance of surviving. To get away. Right. And surviving, if you, I think if you talk to Ilio, which I've never talked to him, but I've talked to people who knew him, I think his main thing was survival. Yep. You know, you Not survive. You survive to fight later. Yep. No time limit. It's about wearing you out with survival, frustrating right. you, live to fight. You know later. Um, what would you? What is the most important thing? What would you pass on to the new person right now? Uh, form form the strongest bonds you can with a couple of your early training partners. Um, I think that's the greatest gift this art can give us is the bonds. I mean, it's amazing how a lot of the people we train with were super close. And like, if you lined us up in an other situation, we'd never be, we would never become close because we're all so different, but it really brings you together. And having those like close training partners coming up through the ranks is just so looking back on all those great memories is amazing. That's something that like, you just cherish it because it's hard. People don't form good relationships nowadays with friends and like we're in a pretty fragmented time. I mean, I'm fortunate. I have some really close friends from my childhood and stuff, and I know you do, but a lot of people are not good at that. But if you can form some gym mates that are like your brothers and sisters, that's a really valuable thing. And in, in not just jujitsu, but in life. People to lean on. Mentors. Mentors. Find a mentor. We've all had a good instructor that's been a mentor. Coach. Coach. Mentor coach has been a mentor for all my career. Yeah. Even when I'm not seeing him a lot, right. like, I always think, like, what would coach do? Like, how would coach act? 100%. How can I be more like coach? So, how, man, so awesome to have him come and actually give you the black belt. Yeah, that was really uh, special. I just asked, I had to ask Jay because he asked me about it. Right. Like, you got a request. And I was like, I just want coach to be there. Right. Right. Um, which is awesome. Yeah. Because he was my original instructor. Dude. And I'm old school, you know? Right. When everything, when the, the split happened here, you know, I went where Coach went. Mm -hmm. That was, that's me. I'm old school. And Coach has never given me a reason to not train under him. Sure. 
So whenever I'll things go I don't coach know what goes. to do, I talk to coach. Yeah, so dude. coach, what should I do? What should I do? And he'll tell me some simple thing, and I'm like, oh, all right, that makes sense. Smart man. Yeah, yeah I mean, he's got life experience. He's been out he there. Does. He, he he doesn't fly. He's been a community anymore. servant right. for many years. Servant, servant of servant, the community on, on the highest man. levels. What um. What what's the difference between you've gotten black belts in Taekwondo? Yep, Taekwondo and, and Hapkido, Hapkido and American Freestyle and so close to sword. <laughs> so that's a lot of black belts, man. Yeah, what's the sport. difference between all like? Tell me about the differences. The scaling grade I've talked about this before is like a first degree in, in the Korean or Japanese arts is like a blue belt, maybe a purple in Jiu-Jitsu. And they they understand that, right? To them, you have a proficiency to not hurt yourself and to do the basics proficiently. So do which means you can just chill which means like, you can just do the kicks. Right. It doesn't mean you're a master of the kicks. So then second degree is like okay now you're like a purple belt because you've got like a game you you know all, you're proficient in all the kicks but you're starting to master some of them your bread and butters your best techniques. You know it's hard because they spar but the rules are so limited that it's very unrealistic to self defense. Yeah. But a good taekwondo guy if they kick you in the right spot. Your takedowns aren't going to work if you get kicked in the body and you can't get up. Right, body. But oh. their chances of hitting you before you take them down are low. Right. But their grade is just very different. Mm -hmm. Their their black belt, like a jujitsu black belt, is like a mastery of a game, and then proficiency of a wide variety of the game. Proficiency, which is only that you know the movements, you can perform them, maybe not even under stress, but like I could teach a blue belt the finer points of doing a waiter sweep. But it might not be my best move. But a mastery is when I can get the waiter sweep on over 50% of my opponents. That is, I think, like a black belt has a set of things they mastered or close to master. There's always a high level. Because doing it on a world champion is different than doing it on a good hobbyist black belt, even. Then you're in a crew with That's a whole different black belt level. for 25 years, exactly. 30 years. Exactly. Uh. So it becomes totally different there. But the, just the scaling is so different. So like a fourth degree in Taekwondo is like the equivalent to like a jiu-jitsu black belt, which is about 10, 12 years of study. It's about the same time table. What has jiu-jitsu given, like, what, are the, what have you taken from jiu-jitsu, training jiu-jitsu? Oh, man. I think that this has a much higher, like, I always had family in my martial arts training, but I think this is a higher sense of family because it's just so damn personal. You're so vulnerable with each other when you're wrestling each other. And there's so many times in the early years you just want to cry and quit because it's petrifying. We've all been there. Like, you forget. But, like, you get home, you want to lose it. Or even just training. Like, you're just so frustrated you can't do things. Or it's just scary. Like, that big blue belt's holding you down and got the sleeve over your face. and you're. But you got to, like, master fear every step of the way. And if you don't keep a rein on the fear... You're just, it gets worse and worse. So it's Mastery like, of fear. You have to master your fear. You have to learn to be calm. And it's the only way, I mean. And dealing with problems. Not dealing, un problem solving while being uncomfortable and being calm. After rolling against a really good player with neon belly or a nasty poor man's mount or a good mount or being in a triangle choke for five minutes, all that other shit in life is pretty minuscule in comparison because right. there's no bodily harm on the line whatsoever. But if you move wrong in that triangle, you might go to sleep and get laughed at. Right. And we don't have the ego, but we have it. Oh, sure. Everybody's got it. 
And you need a little, like you need a little to persevere. I think it's tough. I do believe humility is a dying fucking humility is important thing in in the world. Twice as much humility as ego, for sure. Like, let's have a little more humility in this world. Yeah, all around, maybe, or maybe I'm just telling myself that. No, I mean, hey, start with you and let's spread. Right. Um. So 2019 was a big year, you know. I think, and. I got my black belt. You got your black. Like a lot of people I know got their black belts, and I we say all the time belts don't matter, but then we don't give belts out real easy. So they do matter in some form, right? Right. But but man, I'm not saying you should focus on the belt either. No. But like, you know, it is a signal of something, and they do matter, um, I guess. And so, man, what a fucking honor! What a fucking honor! to spend the last fucking 10 years of my life training with Trevor Stone, learning about shit from Trevor. Because, man, I learned a lot of shit from you, right? About myself, about fucking, you know, if I'm trying to submit Trevor Stone, man, and it's impossible, how, you know, frustration, like, oh, you think you you got your frustration in check until you try to submit (laughs) Trevor Stone. That's how how I predicate my game on, let you get frustrated and then make a mistake. A lot about, like... That shit you were saying about creativity. I think it's a dying thing that we we got to get back to it. Super meaningful. I try and be as creative. I try and do creative things once a week. Something. Mm-hmm. No, there is hope because there's a lot of people out there, man, trying to learn and trying to trying to become better humans. Yep. Um, you know, I'm grateful to have you in my life, man, and uh, I look forward to us. Continuing on, ten years being, yeah, right. Minimum. Being better and developing like a uh, a new, you know, crew of community. Like, cause I feel like we got a good community. Oh, definitely, it's um, amazing. And we're developing ourselves and them at the same time. And I'm gonna focus on gratitude and service this year. What What do you like? I mean, I'm not even saying it has to be a resolution, but what 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 is your like? You know, you got a, a thing you're trying to do or a fucking something coming up, a goal or... I'm going to write a curriculum this year. Yeah. That's my goal, to write down a curriculum to, for the, the technical work of it and to have a guideline. Yeah. Because I feel like we didn't have as much of that coming up. And we still are great, but I feel like it would help a lot of people. Yeah. Totally. Um, and I think it's a good thing to learn to write it to really see, like, how much do I actually know? So in helping, I feel like I know that much. In helping others, you're learning. Something. I'm learning. I'll learn a tremendous amount trying to do this exercise. You know, I'm going to start with white to blue and then go from there. Yeah. Just get, like, belt by belt guidelines. And I got a few other people, and you know, we've talked. We'll kind of just throw some ideas down, and then we can kind of make a you – know, just a, I think it's a good exercise to spit out. Like, what do we really think makes the belts technical-wise? If you don't know where, you know, you're going, right? The yeah, how do you know how to get goal there? goal is just the wish or some yeah, shit. Or how do you know how to get there? All that shit, yep. I believe, is true. Sure. Um, you might have all the desire, but if you don't have a plan, you know, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Right? So that I, I, I'm, I'm, I agree. I'm with you on that. Uh, it's December 28, 2019. Right? I'm pretty pumped about how we've ended this year, it's decade. It's been a great year. We've had a good, you know, we've been through struggles. We've made it through struggles. We've built character. We've we've, uh, we've just grinded it out, right? We just continue little man fucking grind. That's it. Don't stop. Ah! Uh, just thanks. A, just outlast them all. 
Dude, so we'll, we'll uh, next version, maybe, if you want to hear more about Trevor Snow, you'll have to go back a couple years. He's appeared a couple times on this, so you'll get to hear, you know, the whole story. And then on Stray the Course, we've had Trevor Stone, I think, a couple times talking about his, his uh, creativity and then his long-distance hiking. So hopefully we'll get your cousin back out here at some point and yeah. record the end result of um, oh, yeah, 100-mile wilderness, right? Yes, yes. that's um, a story. Right. That's going to be a great one. So, that's a story. Man, get trained with Trevor Stone if you can, dude. You'll learn a lot. He's got MMA experience, striking experience, fucking meditation experience, all that shit. All the shit that I want to learn, he's done it. So thanks, brother, for being there. Thank you for being awesome. Let's fucking kill Hard it. training yeah. every night. Yeah. Hell yeah. Every night. All right. Peace, everybody. Thanks for listening. I hope everybody's doing all right out there. Come visit us. I'd like to train with you. Peace. Be the change. Be the change, motherfucker. Woo. Uh,